one word of advice is that if uh, motivation is lacking or perseverance is lacking, right? But let's say you want to get things done. Using structure to drive behavior is something I believe very strongly. Uh, so when, when I couldn't save money, well, what I did was that I used, I designed a structure, a system such that I will automatically save money yeah, because I don't trust myself. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Paul Turn. In the day, I work a pretty normal job as a doctor in Singapore. But in my spare time, I interview successful people, mainly in Asia, with interesting career paths, hobbies or side projects. I trace their stories right back to their humble beginnings. And I ask, what do these unconventional journeys teach us? And can we similarly be more imaginative in what we do? Welcome to the Alternative CV Podcast. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome to episode 28 of the Alternative CV Podcast. We are right now in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak, but if you're stuck at home right now, here's a brand new podcast episode for you to listen to. As usual, I speak to other people who are pursuing unconventional careers, hobbies, or side projects. And the goal is, as always, to introduce my listeners to a wide variety of different fields and to equip them with the knowledge that is different from what they're exposed to in traditional jobs, but nonetheless complementary. My guest today has transformed his personal investing blog into a company that offers a suite of investor education courses and portfolio management tools. He is a big name in the field of personal investing blogs in Singapore, and he is none other than Alvin Chow, who is the CEO of Dr. Wealth. Alvin teaches courses on factor-based investing and has also authored two books, The Secrets of Singapore Trading Gurus and Singapore Permanent Portfolio. In this conversation, we bounce around a lot, and you can tell from our conversation that Alvin's a very well-read individual. Whilst I usually talk to my guests about their journey to get to where they are, in Alvin's case, we also talked about subjects like Alvin's learning style and how he taught himself about investing. There's so much in there to learn from, including how Alvin decides whether or not to push through a book or to put it down and to come back to it in the future. And so our lessons go beyond the sphere of, of investing and to, and to broader kind of life advice that you might find applicable to yourself. Apart from this, we also talk about creating systems to reduce the motivation or activation energy needed to start saving on investing. And we also talk about Elvin's eventual transition from a passion project or hobbyist blog to a mission when he creates a company out of what he enjoyed doing. So this might be applicable to anyone who is considering turning their hobby into a side hustle or something to do full time. Lots of good stuff in today's episode. So I do hope you enjoy this episode of the Alternative CV Podcast. Hi, Alvin. It's Alvin Chow. You are the CEO of Dr. Wealth, and which is quite an interesting name because, you know, as Dr. Wealth, I work as a doctor, but, you know, you are the, you're the wealth doctor, really. So for, for some of our listeners who are not familiar with Dr. Wealth, or especially for some of the overseas listeners, could you explain what Dr. Wealth does? Okay. Thank you, Paul, for inviting me to this show. Okay, so Dr. Wealth is an outfit that does a lot of financial literacy training, investor education, because we all know that we were not taught all these things when we were younger, and, and we actually don't care about it until we are much older when we first get our uh, paycheck, and then we have some money, and we start to wonder, how, how should we spend our money? Do, do we need to budget things? And we look at our life milestones. Oh, there are things to buy. There are things to commit to financially, and we have a retirement to plan for do we need to invest money so all these money questions will come uh, when we start working so we thought that people need a lot more help in this area and that's why we set up this company to focus on the education part mm. and it's, it's really not something that's taught in school right i mean i, I think that they they should 
mean, it's a key life skill, but yet nobody really teaches money management or you know insurance, the importance of insurance or all these things in school. Yeah. I used to agree with that because a lot of people say, right, they should teach financial literacy in school. They should teach financial literacy in school. So when I first started out, I I believed the same way. Okay? Mm. But now I have a different thinking. Oh, that's right? interesting. Why, why? I don't think it is at the right level to teach them financial literacy because they are just not at the age mature enough to receive that kind of information and wisdom. Okay, Because they'll be thinking like, so you tell me about all this insurance or investments, right? But, uh, there's no applica- applicability in it at this point in time. It's not practical, right? So, which means it's very easy for me to have it uh, going in one year and coming out the other. Mm. Uh, so, you're just mumbling and I'll just not pay attention to it. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, there's no internal motivation for it as well. And you can think of it as, it's only when, as you said, right, when you earn your first paycheck and you realize, okay, actually, you know, there's money and I need to, to, to know how to manage it. Then these questions start becoming important. Yeah, I mean, you can cultivate certain money habits uh, when you're younger, but not the the core financial concepts of budgeting and investments and insurance, etc. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like the value of money or this kind of thing, maybe you can play a few games to engage them. I think uh, that is probably all you can do. But with that knowledge or skill is not enough for you to survive as an adult. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I guess the learning will always have to come later. And and there's a certain element as well of, I think, I, I'm sure it'll be like, you know, you cross a bridge when you get to it because it's like when you have to say, buy a house or, 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 or maybe think about renting or, or when you are, when you start to have children and you are like, oh no, I need to make ends meet and what do I do about, you know, should I buy insurance or not? Then this is when all these life questions, you know, the adult kind of questions like hit you and then you have to really start to, well, I suppose for those people who are more involved, they will start reading up. Other, for some other people, it just washes over them. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think most people uh, would not pay a lot of attention to money okay mm. only when it comes right i mentioned uh, usually they don't wake up and say today i want to buy insurance right it's mm. unheard of okay? yeah uh, today i wake up i want to eat this i want to watch this movie right people think of something that's more pleasurable and not think about deaths and accidents that are going to happen to them because it's so remote right so which means uh, most people they will just only take action when something happens mm. like for example uh, someone close one uh, close enough right a relative or what suddenly met an accident okay or had a critical illness or terminal illness and that's where they start to think about oh you know this this event just taken place so close to me it might be in me right so mm. then they'll start to okay maybe i should buy some insurance so always there must be certain events that drive them to do something mm. and i see this kind of uh, behavior coming uh, through to a lot of people most of the time even when it comes to investments as well sometimes they they are like oh i have a retrenchment then they start to think about oh maybe i should invest my money otherwise that motivation somehow just don't come when when we the most of the customers that we deal with are self-motivated which are very rare Right. So majority of people they don't think about money problems or money planning so so regularly. Until it hits them. And when 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 does it usually hit them? Is it the mid thirties, forties, then they start waking up to the idea? I think there isn't any particular age group, but maybe I give myself an example, right? It's also a very event-driven kind of uh, situation where I started to think about money or put money as a most important uh, subject uh, in my life. So uh, I, I used to be a spendthrift all my life, okay? mm-hmm. my younger self. Okay? <laughs> when, my, when my parents give me allowances, I would just spend everything. I wouldn't save anything. 
right? I'll just really literally spend until I have zero cents yeah. in my pocket, in my wallet. Okay? And, and I think that's fine, right? Because no responsibility or anything. If I have not enough money, I just look for my parents uh, and ask for more money. Yeah. So that, that was how I grew up. And I didn't cultivate the habit of saving at all for, I would say, at least the first 20 years of my life. Right. So that is quite a long time, actually. <laughs> and it was only until uh, I was in university, almost to complete my degree, something uh, unfortunate happened in my family. Mm. So my parents uh, couldn't uh, afford their house mortgage payments. Mm. Right. And they had two decisions to make. Right. Mm. So one is either uh, pay cash because they've been using CPF to pay the mortgage. Right. Mm-hmm. So their CPF is run out of money. Mm. So now you want to stay on a, in a house, you need to pay cash. Okay. Mm. And we calculated uh, it's uh, probably about another 15 years of mortgage, about $2,000 cash every month. Wow. So my parents are not high income earners, right? So uh, it's unlikely they can, they can afford this house anymore. So then the second decision is to sell it. So that's what they did. And in fact, that was that, that event that actually changed me. Okay, so bad things maybe happen for a reason. Otherwise, I would still be a spendthrift today. Mm. So that event actually caused me to to realize that in Singapore, which is a capitalistic society, money is very important. You cannot screw up your major financial decision. So the I, I did like a review of what my parents did was that they bought a house without calculating the affordability. Right? They just buy it, you know, they have no concept about all this, you know, planning of cash flow, etc., and and they just go to view houses and they just decide based on whether I like the house, mm-hmm. right? Uh, roughly, you want a three room or four room or five room, then you just go and see, right? And then which location you like. So they will just buy the house that they feel. Oh, I think it's quite good, uh, quite nice. Uh. Mm-hmm. So they don't go and really crunch the numbers. I don't blame them because they are they are not taught to, and and they don't realize that the consequences may come later. So that was what I witnessed in my parents. And I don't want it to happen to me in my data part of my life, right? You get all these kind of financial shocks. Yep. So that was where I really uh, believe that you can't screw up money in Singapore. Yeah, I, I think that's such an interesting place to start. So what, what do you do next? Like where, you know, you, you have this drive in you that you want to learn more about it. But I imagine at that point in time, as you're saying, you know, you are in your 20s, you have no previous experience about money, financial planning at all. Where's your first stop to get information? What happened was that I started to really do a stock take of my life at that point in time. Okay. The lucky thing was that I was, I was on a study award mm-hmm. uh, sponsored by the SAF, right? So I, I was a regular. So they sponsored me for studies and they pay me a regular salary, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, I wanted to stock take and, and see what my finances were, right? And I realized that I have been very tight on cash flow. Okay. And that's not by accident because I've always been a spendthrift all my life, right? Yeah. And why do I even buy a car when I was in university, right? It's like I, I live in hostel somewhere. I just drive like less than five minutes to reach the, <laughs> the hall. Yes. You know? So why why am I spending all this money? And I even looked at my financial plans, right? And all my policies that I've bought. And I realized that at one point in time I have four financial advisors serving me and I bought everything from them. Okay. Oh. So when I did, but, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but wow. So even then, you have financial advisors. Yeah, 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 So yeah. you're quite 
ahead of most people already. In that. Uh, no, I guess because the moment you have salary, you will have financial advisors okay. because they will find you, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't difficult. <laughs> and I didn't know anything. So I trusted them. Lah, and I just, I just, yeah, okay, sounds good. And I didn't also didn't plan my cash flow, whether I have enough to pay the premiums, I have the, the car loans to serve, the petrol to pump and all these things. I, I never do any budgeting, right? Mm. So then I, I started to see, hey, you know, I, I'm just like my parents. Yeah, just like my parents is in just another format, right? In yes. other areas. Yeah. So that was where I say enough is enough and I better go and figure out what all these policies are all about. So my first stop was to read books. Okay, to get I remember I bought a personal finance book that was used as a textbook in NUS in a personal finance <laughs> yeah, module. Wow. Yeah. So I went to try to figure out what is unit trust, what is endowment plans, what is life, what is term, accident plan, what do they do? Under what scenario can I claim? All these kind of things. So I try to figure out. But the thing is that you will never get 100% of what you read. Yeah. Right? So I guess I could only understand 30% of it. But it's still something of a progress from where I was. So yeah. I started to cut out some policies that I think I should not have. Certain things that I feel I overinsured or the premium that I'm paying is not worth what I'm I'm getting at the end of the day. Yes. So I really went to review and I, I, I cut policies to bring down the cash flow level. I see. Uh, to bring up the cash flow level. And I also sold the car. Oh, yeah. wow. So, that, that was what I did. And that event uh, led me to take action. Okay. And then thereafter, my financial life changed from a spender profile to become a saver profile. So I would say uh, that event was, was what drove me. La. And that's why I believe that for most people, they only care about finances when something happens. Yeah. And usually it's a bad thing, right? Mm. And of course, if we are a lot more predictive and and uh, defensive about all this possibility of, of all these bad events happening in the future right probably we would be in a better uh, place la. but I guess no choice human behavior is like this mm. we really must wait for something to happen first mm. yeah. yeah so I suppose to all the listeners for the show then it's 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 best to start thinking about your finances and, and start all this budgeting early and one of the golden rules is also about like personal finance is also that the earlier you start right compounding is such a powerful force that you know, even though you don't see much happening between your 20s and 30s, the fact that you're starting in your 20s means that you'd be so far ahead later on than if you started in your 30s or 40s, right? Yeah. But I guess human nature, la, yeah. the motivation must come from somewhere because every day, you know, we have so many priorities, right? Yeah. Uh, you cannot tackle everything, okay? So most people always focus on career first. Mm. Right? Yeah, even marriage come later. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened to our <laughs> TFR rates and things like this. Yeah. One, one word of advice is that if... Uh, motivation is lacking or perseverance is lacking, right? But let's say you want to get things done. Uh, using structure to drive behavior is something I believe very strongly. Uh, so when, when I couldn't save money, well, what I did was that I used, I designed a structure, a system such that I will automatically save money yeah, because I don't trust myself. Yeah, right? so that uh, sounds very interesting. Can you yeah. explain a bit more uh, what you did? Then? Because people always like do New Year re resolution and yeah, most yeah. people don't complete them. Yeah. Uh, not even by the end of the year, probably by, by the third month, they give up, right? So it's not easy to rely on human behavior. There's too much distractions every day. Yeah, there's so, so many routines that you have to follow. So uh, you have to deliberately design a system to shape your behavior. Mm. Right? So you subject yourself to a system. So for example, what I did was that I couldn't save money, right? So what I, I opened a separate uh, safe as you earn account, they call it. It's under one of the banks, right? They have this program where you have a separate account that they will 
every month take from your main account and just park the money in this secondary account without you needing to press any buttons. So just vacuums it out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So which means um, you, you can't do anything about it. You will just keep deducting until you stop it. Yeah. Okay. And you can't redraw the money because there's no ATM card and nothing. Oh, that's right? good. So, yeah, so, so which means you, you are forced. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of the best ways to save money if you can't. Right. So if you are spendthrift and you really want to change it, just do it. It's just a half an hour thing. Just get it done and you're set for life. Would you mind if I ask you what percentage of your salary you, you, you set yourself to save at a point in time? I, I didn't have a target. I was more focused on really minimizing my expenses because I, I, I didn't swing the other way totally become like a, a, a stingy person, right? Uh, just mm. save from everything mm. because I still believe that there's a minimum lifestyle that everybody has. Okay, mm. uh, some higher than the others, lah, right? And if you if you go below that minimum lifestyle that you you can uh, withstand, right? You also would not be able to last very long, right? You'll give up very easily because if you like, that's what's the meaning of life? <laughs> I can't buy this, I can't eat that, I can't drink this. Then what's the meaning of life? So, I didn't I didn't have like a, a target, but I would guess at least a good thirty at least thirty percent of the salary was uh, saved. Uh, mm. by just focusing on minimizing the expenses. Yeah. Yeah, actually I think I think you put you brought up a very wise point there about about the fact that it needs to be sustainable. Like the the goal and target that you that you create set for yourself, set for yourself needs to be sustainable. Because otherwise, um as you said, like there'll just be no incentive to, to to press on with it and then you'll fall away very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people tend to overestimate their own uh, perseverance, right? At the start. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we have to be mindful of that and uh, using system, as I said, look at the right things and make it sustainable. Uh, those are those are important considerations if you want to do it for a long run. So you moved from spender to saver, but how do you then go from saver to investor? What was that? What was that trigger then? So I started to uh, read more books about investing, etc. Attend classes, learn from others, mm. and it wasn't easy at the start because you really don't know anything. And I, I was not finance trained. I, I started engineering. Right. Yeah. The only good thing is that at least I'm more, I'm better with numbers. Okay. But any than that, financial concept and this like this, I don't know what what's time value of money, what's discount rates, all discount things. So I, 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 I had to figure out. And unlike, unlike uh, schools, they will always plan for you, right? At your age, you should learn this. At this age, you should learn this. So it's a lot more structured path. There's only one path that you go, uh-huh. right? But when you do your self-learning, there is no paths. You have to find it yourself. And nobody will tell you, oh, at your this level, you should read this book. At this level, you should go for this course. So you have to do a lot of trial and error. Sometimes you read a book that's a lot more difficult than what you can understand. Sometimes you read a book that's too simple for you, right? So you will have some of these obstacles, I would say, right? Or friction, okay? <laughs> friction of learning, right? So you have to overcome them, right? Because sometimes it's also very easy. You read a very difficult book that, oh, just don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep going and going. And, and it's okay if you meet, something that you don't understand. Uh, maybe it's just not at the right time to receive this information. Yeah, look for something else. Right? It's okay not to finish a book. Yeah, It's okay not to, to, to just read the, the first chapter and then skip on to another one. It's okay to listen to this guy and maybe after a while you feel that that's not suitable for you and then you just go with another. So I guess at the initial stage, uh, having that uh, broadening of that uh, knowledge is important because you don't know what you don't know. Right, so you want to have more of it as you go along. Uh, you will know what you don't know, 
and then you it becomes more efficient in your learning process la. so I guess at the start it's really very rojak haphazard you just have to push through yeah. I, I think you said so many wise things there and some things which I really liked about it was you know I've, I've never really thought about the concept before about not knowing what you don't know and and yeah that's that's so interesting that even if you don't understand the concept right now you know in the back of your mind you're like aha you know there's this thing which I have come across before and it's outside and right now I've I've maybe read the explanation but I don't I've completely no clue what they're talking about but I know that it's out there rather than actually not knowing at all that it's out there yeah. you know I, I think that's that's really interesting and 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 I really like what you say as well about pushing through especially about you know having the courage to skip past the chapter to say okay this book is difficult but and I it's I can't process it right now so I'll put it aside I know so many of my friends who get stuck in their reading because they have some kind of mental block that I need to finish this book and then they have no interest and they can't understand and it's a boring book. Maybe it's a lousy book, but they're just stuck at that chapter because mentally, you know, they don't want to move on. When actually, the most efficient thing to do is to put it away, right? To go to the next thing. Probably another way to look at it to gain a bigger perspective is that there there are more books written than you can read in your lifetime. Right. So don't waste your time on books you don't understand. <laughs> exactly. Wow, nice. <laughs> you should you should find out that you should read something that interests you, right? And and I think that is at least the, the first rule of thumb and that would uh make your life easier to read books. Mm. Let's let's sidetrack for a moment and we and we can talk about like learning. So you know when you when you meet with these kinds of concepts that, that you know you, you can't process right now. What what do you tell yourself? Because it's very intimidating, isn't it? Like to, you know, you're like, what's what's this? What's that? And you just can't put it together. What 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 do you do at that when you hit that juncture? In fact, I I still hit the juncture nowadays. Okay, that you know this is too difficult. I really don't understand, right? And I I won't hold it myself uh, to, so much of it, right? Because some some people may feel or uh, inferior. I don't understand this. Am I stupid? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the very first point is not to blame yourself that you don't understand. It's fine, which means that there's room for improvement. Right. You can always turn it around and look at the cup half filled rather than half empty. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, don't blame don't blame yourself first, and just put one side first. And another way to evaluate it is that I'm a very practical person. Okay. So uh, what is the utility out of this book that I'm going to read? Right. So if I don't understand it, but if the utility is is going to be high. Okay. So I would I would always focus on that utility and try to push myself through. Yeah. I Maybe I don't understand 100%, but if I can take 5-10% out of it, at least uh, it's good enough, I will revisit the book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in the future, when, I, when, I, when I'm more ready. La. So that is if I determine that the utility of a book is very high. If let's say the utility of a book is unknown okay, mm. and it's very difficult to read, right? very likely I will just cast it aside. Right. I won't even try to go back to it until maybe somehow serendipity or what. Eh, I need to read this book again. Then so be it. Interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's something which I want to try. Okay. Yeah, being able to cast aside books where you or judging judging things by the utility and then figuring out what how how much I need to push yeah. through it. Yeah, there, there's another rule of thumb when it comes to reading. It's like Pareto principle, eighty twenty principle. Mm-hmm. So um. Probably out of so many books out there, only 20% give you 80% of the information mm. or they are the top 20% are the best books that everyone should read, right? To really understand about the world. And which means you should read this top 20% of the books, the good books, right? At least twice. 
right? Because the principle is that you cannot remember everything you read, okay? And these books are the best, right? So it's, it makes sense to reread, then your, your knowledge will increase even faster rather than to read another new book. I'm curious, do you, do you take notes when you, when you read? Yes, I do. I do take notes. So that's why I like ebooks because I can copy and paste easier. Last time when I was reading physical books and ebooks were not available, I will make notes on the pages. And then after that, no, not highlighting. I, I will just like uh, write it down on this page. This, I remember I'll come back to this point because I like to keep my books pretty. I don't like to, I don't like to color them. Oh. Uh, then thereafter, I will actually type out on the computer. Yeah. Okay, so, so what's your system then for, say if you, if you have a book? So I will, I will do the highlighting now on eBooks. Okay, yeah. so I will transfer them to like my uh, Google Docs. Okay, yes. so I keep a folder and I have categories for them, right? Like uh, investing, like for business, like for in general kind of uh, personal development kind of things or, or general information, right? So I'll have categories uh, for them and I'll put them in summaries. And sometimes is that uh, I may like certain quotes a lot and I will uh, actually post it on my social media or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also like a self-reminder that, you know, hey, this, this, this is something I really like. And uh, most of the time people can also resonate with it. So I, I do like many stages of that filtering of that ideas mm-hmm. from the books. Now. Do you have a system by which you revisit your, the notes that you've made? Like, is that a yearly um, stock take? I, I don't have like a routine, but if let's say, oh, I come across and, hey, yeah, this situation is like what I have read before. And I know I read that book, it's from that book. So I will always revisit the notes that I, I found it and then I will reread it. And sometimes I really feel that, hey, you know, I really understand this point a lot better because something happened, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, feels, it feels that you can make that connection to what you read and the reality a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. Just wondering, do, do you use a Kindle? I use Google Playbooks now. Google Playbooks, right? Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Kindle as well, but I just don't use that much. Yeah, I know. The reason I brought it up was that there's this there's this uh, app or this website called Readwise. Are you familiar with it? No. So so it just it it auto draws your your Kindle highlights or your Amazon highlights, and then it it emails them to you every day you know so you get a random selection of what you've highlighted before emailed to you and then you you kind of it's a digestible way of going through what you had read before and yeah full disclaimer I have no affiliate marketing or anything with this but it's quite a good app yeah I heard of that function yeah Yeah. I just didn't know that it was called Readwise Readwise yeah yeah right so coming back to to trading back then what were some of the I think now's a good good time to to kind of pick your brains on what were some of the courses or or, or, or blogs or videos or books that you found particularly instrumental to you as you're just starting out both in terms of like personal finance and investing coincidentally I'm I'm going to publish a post quite soon to talk about seven books that have shaped my financial life great yeah. Uh, so just, we'll, we'll look out for that. Give us a sneak, <laughs> sneak preview. Okay, just just want to a word of caution is that everybody's uh, learning path is different. We are inspired by different people, different things. Mm. Okay, so what these seven books are important to me may not be important to you, and a lot of the ideas are actually repeated in many many different sources, different books, different people. Right, so it's the same idea, and which means you may get the same idea from another person that's different from where I got my 
same idea from yeah. right so that said there are still certain books that i guess uh, most people are inspired by and i think uh rich dad poor dad is definitely one of yeah, them great book. Right? everybody will read it but in terms of uh, actual practicality utility of it is nothing much long, right because he really doesn't re- explain why uh, or, or how or how yeah, not yeah. the why he explained a lot on the why but not the how right what how you should do this how you should invest yeah. uh, so he focused a lot on the why but I guess that is the most important thing right for most people to to even get inspired into action just now mm-hmm. we talk about their motivation things etc so I guess this book uh, what it does was that it shifted my thinking last time I used to think that oh investment is something you do on the side it's it's not a priority in life right uh it's just that you you work and then you have some savings you want your savings to work harder for you you just put one side and grow your money on mm-hmm. there right but that book what it inspired me to was that to change the thinking instead of thinking investment as something that's uh non-priority okay you can actually use investment as a very good conduit to become rich and wealthy and achieve your financial goals right mm-hmm. so then in that case then you should prioritize it rather than deprioritize it so i guess that was that biggest gain that i had i shifted that mindset i shifted the priority of money in my life yeah you know, or in in terms of investments yeah so that that is one and another one which is not so uh, well known is multiple streams of income by robert allen what's interesting is that although he talked about so many streams of income right most of them probably most people wouldn't want to do it either too much work it may just not be relevant in singapore because he talked about some things like tax liens, uh, which is only available oh, in US. Yeah, it's not yeah. even available here. I got my index investing concept from this book, which is one of the most unlikely <laughs> sources. Yeah. Most people will probably read from like random walk down Wall Street uh, yeah. or by one of the Boggles book, right? Yeah. But I got it from Robert Allen, who is an internet marketer, <laughs> <laughs> which is very rare, right? Because it really jumps up to me and, and he was talking about investing in S&P 500 on a monthly basis. Right. Mm. Since most fund manager can't beat it, you know, it's that same old story la, that yeah. everybody hears and get repeated nowadays. But it was the first time I heard about this from him in that book. And he, he just, in the book, he even asked the reader to take action. Just go and do it now. This is the number to call. Right. And it wasn't affiliate because there wasn't yeah. any code or anything. He just said that just go and do it. Yeah. So I, I wanted to call by the US number. <laughs> so I can't do anything, right? And I, I went online to go and search and can I buy uh, uh, S&P 500 index fund on a monthly basis? And that was in about 2006, 2007. That's okay. good. 12, 13 years ago. So in those days, right, index fund is unheard of in Singapore. Nobody mm. knows. Now the knowledge is a lot better. People know about ETFs and things like this, but 12, 13 years ago, nobody knows. You've done tr- really well. If you <laughs> not, I, I want to really search about it, right? Then I can't find. There was no service that allowed me to invest on a monthly basis to buy S&P 500 ETF or mm. index fund. Uh, but I came across uh, STI ETF, which is our Straits Times Index ETF. Oh, mm. okay. So there's an alternative. If I can't get a US, eh, Singapore should work fine, right? Since I'm staying here. And uh, there was one of our brokerages was offering this. So I went straight down after I read the, uh, that section only. I went down to that firm and I opened an account. I just started it. And I started with $200 a month. It's as simple as that. So I guess uh, there are some things that, you know, you, you read and it makes you change your ideas or it may it just change you to take certain actions that you probably never have done it before but one thing which i really like about this story which you've just shared 
is how uh, willing you were to be shaped by by this by good ideas. You you know you're like okay, this is a good idea. I'm gonna act on it right now, and. Also, there has to be something to be said about, you know, almost like striking while, whilst the iron's hot. That kind of inspiration, you know, when you're like, okay, this is a good idea. Then, you know, you go, you went ahead and you committed yourself to it. Because I can see that all too often you, you would, you would say, okay, this is a good idea. And then you sleep on it and then you get lazy and then you've never gone down to, to the brokerage. And then the good idea just slips by and then you're like, ah, yeah, it was a good idea, but I never acted on it. Uh, no, nobody will know whether it's a good idea at that point in time. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. Just that probably you feel maybe in the instinct, in the gut, if you I I need to do this, mm. then most likely that's where the motivation comes from, right? I I I'm not as decisive as what you have described. Okay, mm. <laughs> not not all the time. Okay, sometimes I'm more decisive. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I sleep on things. I I guess it depends on really uh, where the priority is for a person. Right. You tend to sleep on things where the, the topic or the context is not a priority to you, right? If it is a priority to you, likely you will take action. You will be a lot more decisive about it. So I, I think that's, don't need to be so hard on yourself and, you know, or, or as a listener, uh, and yeah. I, I should do this, but I always procrastinate, et cetera. May, that, that's why I brought up the rich that poor that example, right? So it was really for me to shift the priority towards money. As, as one of the important things in my life. And that's why I became more decisive when it comes to executing some of these ideas. Yeah. Right. Which means if money is not your priority, likely a lot of the money ideas you will not execute. That's normal. Right. You will focus on some other things. If like uh, retail therapy is a very big thing for you in life, there's nothing wrong, right? Because mm. sometimes we also, I also buy things to make myself feel happy. Uh, you will tend to like focus on deals. Mm. your attention will flow to to where your priority is you see mm. so I think if you really want to change it that prioritization probably need to come first yeah before so the why and, okay uh, what are the books what are the books sorry what are the books uh? another book would be I, I guess the earlier ones would be more interesting uh, more meaningful as well The Richest Man in Babylon oh, I think that that's, well. yeah, yeah. That, that's also a very inspiration book uh, for a lot of people yeah, because I guess you know Babylonians, you know, so yeah. mystical, right? It's so magical, yeah. and it's written in a parable form, so it's a lot easier. Just like Richard Pryor's over parable form. Yeah, it's a lot of the why as well. Turning yeah. two coins into yeah. three yeah. and four. Yeah. yeah. So and the most significant section was the the seven solution for a lean purse, right? Mm. Yeah. So uh, then they talk about what should you do. Uh, it's just actually very common financial advice that everybody give. Uh, they just make it in a more mystical form <laughs> like in Babylonians <laughs> but it works it works it works because it's facts tell stories to sell right so they sell you that idea via a story so I, I was sold okay and that was what made me start my blog okay before Dr. Wealth actually the blog was called Big Fat Purse Ah, yeah, it's called Big Fat Purse. Hey, right? it's inspired by this Richard yeah, it's, yeah yeah because it says seven solution for a lean purse yeah. Okay, but of course, lean purse sounds damn bad. It's not a goal that you want to. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted a fat purse. Okay, right. But fatpurse.com was taken, <laughs> so I added a big in front, and that's how he got his name, And and yeah, that 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 book itself got me inspired me to to write about something, and and that was how I started this blog and content writing about investment finance. So, so all these books have meaning to me uh, because it, at some point in time in my life, they have made me do something or change my perspective. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
at the point in time you were still working in the Air Force? Was that was that when you were working in the Air Force? Um, I was actually still in university. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it's related to the my parents' situation. So yeah. a lot of things really happened in like 2007, mm. right? So I really took massive action and that including like writing a blog, starting a blog, uh, starting my money investment uh, plan and all the, cutting down my expenses, selling my car and things like this. So everything really came together at that point in time. I see. So what, what, what was the idea? Where did the idea for, for the blog come from? I, I just find that I needed outlet and outlet for me to consolidate my learning, my mm. ideas, right? So I thought that, yeah, I can do a diary, but diary you have to write is so boring, right? Okay, it's so tedious, okay? Mm. So I don't like to write. And typing, of course, is a lot easier. Uh, of course, I can keep it private, but I thought that uh, there's nothing to hide, right? So if I can write something and other people don't mind reading it, so be it, okay? It was really just a personal project. I see. Uh, more like an online diary kind of thing, which I think a lot of people does it. Uh, that's probably what got a lot of people to blogging in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I share the same reason. And over time, then more people came and interact and share and, and you have a conversation, you have some engagement. Then you realize that, hey, actually it's quite fun. It's not as uh, tedious as uh, you have to keep up with the content, etc. I, I guess it's the same with you with the podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking back to the early days, how many, you know, when you first started out say in 2007 uh, on 08, how many kind of readers do you have on your on your blog? Uh, I, I didn't, you didn't track, check, la, so I didn't know. Is it because it was just entirely a personal project? Yeah, yeah. So was there any point in time when you started thinking, oh, this has gone a bit beyond a personal project and now there's a community who I've gathered who's kind of following me? And definitely, what was that? definitely. What was that turning point? Definitely it was. There was many, many years after 2007. I can't remember exactly which year, but I was lucky in the sense also that in 2007, there weren't a lot of blogs that talk about finance and investment in Singapore. Mm. So sort of like have that kind of first mover advantage and people came and that's what my engagement. And it was also nearing my uh, bond with the SAF and to think about what I want to do, right? And having build up this block to a certain size then I realized that hey actually there may be some commercial uh, purpose out of it right mm-hmm. besides just a passion project okay uh, then I thought that hey might as well we just uh, do this uh, as, as a business so I got a few partners to come and join in uh, three of them okay to, to start an educa- education business because mm-hmm. we have been teaching people online, right? So why not we do live classes and, and, and have a lot more simple to follow steps and actions so that people can really take them. Because online article, some people, they can just read, but as we say, motivation is always action. a lacking one. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have causes all this, right? You package them in such a way that it's a lot more step-by-step. Step. It's a lot easier for people to follow through. Yeah. So it's basically to reduce the resistance to, to uh, practice something that is new to them. So that's what, that's what we did. Huh? And it, it, it was, it was, we had quite a success at the start, right? Because we already had the audience. Okay. Mm. And then, uh, then we create a product. Because usually business is you create a product first, then you and find then an audience. You flog okay. it to the audience. Yeah. 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 So we already have quite a good empathy of what the readers want. And also because uh, we ourselves went through that passage, that journey. Right, mm. and we probably understand what a typical Singaporean is facing in terms of the financial issues, lah, and problems and challenges when it comes to investing, right? So we could get that um, angle and the messaging right at the start because uh, of all the years of work that was done beforehand, mm. and uh, 
Then even when we first started the business, it was still pretty much passion based because I was so happy that oh I don't have a nine to five job anymore, so I can just uh, do what I like to do. And I've been doing this blog for so long, and uh, now I can really focus hundred percent on it. It's so fun, right? Mm. Yeah. And uh, the fun lasts a few initial years when the business was starting, and we start to hire staff because the the company is growing and we need more hands and legs, lah. And when you have staff, then you realize that oh no, you know. It's not as fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Got responsibility. <laughs> yeah, the responsibility all. goes yeah. up, right? Then there's a lot more things you need to do, right? It's no longer about what you like to do, but you have to do the right things. Okay, do the right things right, and you have to manage people. You have to uh, think about marketing plans, etc. A lot of planning, a lot of planning, a lot of communications, a team. So it became more like from a from passion, it became like more like a mission. Yeah, the mission is not just to the customers, right? The mission is not just that, oh, yeah, we want to have a good product. We want to make sure that you succeed in life financially. But it's also to all the business partners, the staff that you have, right? That, you know, what, what are you going to do for them, right? They are, they, are, they are working for you. They are working with you as business partners. So it became a lot more serious. Right. So I would say now it's mission. Last time it was passion. Uh, yeah. Wow. I have so many questions for you. Okay. And I think primarily also because I'm, I'm fascinated by this journey and the transition as, as it were from, from being passion project to, to mission. Could you talk, could you talk a little bit more about what you mean by doing the right things right and how it, how it changed? Okay. So let's say if when, I, I guess when it is more like a mission, right, the pressure is definitely a lot higher. Okay. A lot higher in the sense that maybe in the past, you don't want to hold a class, don't hold a class all, right? Mm. Or you want to do whatever you want, you just do whatever you want, write, you write, you don't want to write, don't write. Okay. So you have a lot of that freedom. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but responsibility always take away freedom. It always reduces freedom, right? So sometimes it could be, we have to run this class. Okay. We have to plan for this class. Okay. To make, to make payroll kind of. Yeah. To make yeah. payroll or, or to hit a particular revenue target and things like this, because you have people under you, right? And they also want the company to grow so that their salary can also increase, right? So it cannot be a case that, never mind lah, you know, we just make less law. Right. Uh, you mm. you take pay cut, la, cannot. Mm. Cannot, right? You cannot say that kind of thing, right? Mm. So once you have more people on the boat, you have to take care of everybody on that boat. And your boat must move, right? So mm. direction. Whether you feel like rowing the boat, you have to row the boat. Okay. And uh, you need to have targets because they need to feel they they can work towards something, right? But then they can have bonuses, etc. And you have shareholders to answer to. But they also want the company to progress, right? Otherwise, uh, why invest in the company? Mm. Right. And you also have your customers. They, they look up to you and you need to like, uh, constantly engage them because their motivation, remember, is always fleeting or low. So especially when markets are volatile, they are even more scared. So you need to like, uh, reach out to them, take care of them, et cetera. So, uh, a lot of all these obligations, I would say. Yeah. Obligation and, and I wouldn't say that it's not that you do it unwillingly. It's just that more from a professional standpoint, right? You will still do it. Okay. And you do it to the best of your ability. Uh, that's more professional kind of thing, but it's not it's not the 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 other kind of scenario where it's really driven by the passion and say that yeah I I think that you know the the market is down let's go and reach out to people and you know get them to to not be scared about this you know if really from that passion angle even though the outcome may be the same right but the the process is different one is driven more by professionalism yeah was there a time when this occurred to you kind of like oh wow yeah this has gone beyond a passion project and it's not I mean sometimes sometimes I will feel tired 
they are so entrepreneurial it's like why am I doing all these things things would be a lot easier if I just do it myself right so you have this tussle between like should we do it alone should we do it together should we do it alone should we do it together you will have this challenge sometimes you just feel that tired is the, the responsibility is heavy okay and nobody understands right so you feel like if I do it myself then I won't have all this problem right so you always have this I don't know you call it angel devil speaking in your heads and you just have to you just have to like take a break right don't think about it okay or sometimes no choice deadline <laughs> push through it yeah and another responsibility will be uh, sometimes we, we do a lot of like pro bono talks and events etc we, we try not to push away all these things because on one hand you can say it's marketing but on the other hand it's also that it's, it's something that we also want to give back because there are some some audience that they are not going to be our customers mm. right and there's no way that we can reach out or teach them right unless through these kind of pro bono events like corporate talks to schools etc mm. so uh, we try not to push away and because as we grow bigger we get more invites and that's why you get this kind of responsibility and say hey, okay I need to do this I need to do this so after a while you get tired you can get tired at some point sometimes you get uh, you still have the passion, right? You say, wow, I want to go through this. I, I, I find it interesting. But sometimes you just feel tired. Yeah, but you have to push through it through using professionalism. Ah, okay. So, profession- can you elaborate a bit more about that? You know, when you when you feel at times of doubt or struggle or you're like, oh, I wish I could declutter, declutter. Why do you have so much responsibility? What is your self-talk then? What do you tell yourself? You know, you mentioned push through, but is there anything that you remind yourself of or, or tell yourself at, the, at those points in time? I I tend to deliberate this in my mind for a while. Then after that, I will complain to my partners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way, right? You need an outlet to just vent it out. And usually after I vent out, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not so much of like really seeking an advice or what to do, but it's really just venting out that frustration. Yeah, and probably that's why a lot of Singaporeans like to complain, right? It's it's a way to to vent that frustration. And yeah, once it's out of the way, yeah. then then uh, it doesn't feel that bad anymore. Exactly, exactly. So I suppose it's it's complaining is is good if you're able to after you after you finish your rant and complaining, then you get on with it and you yeah. you, you do it, you do it. Yeah, so it helps you to let steam off, but it's not that you then yeah. go and uh, yeah flip the table and and, and give up or something. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's um, one part of it that I appreciate uh, because the, the partners have been very understanding and supportive as well, which is very important, right? And that keeps me going, uh, I would say. Yeah. No man is an island, right? Mm. Yeah. Hey listeners, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Alternative CV Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, do consider subscribing if you haven't done so already or sharing this episode with your friends. I'd love for more people to benefit from this. If you've got something to say, you can always reach out to me at poll, that's P-A-U-L, at alternativecv.fm. Leave a review, get in touch, pick up the conversation, anything you want to talk about. You can also find show notes about everything that we've talked about and any references we made at alternativecv.fm. On the next episode, we continue our conversation. So see you in part two next week. A special thank you also to Kim Colmeyer and Kasia Beg for the help in the production of this podcast. See you next week.